Welcome to the Sensible Center Podcast, where two middle-aged guys drunkenly talk politics and political reform. Grab an adult beverage and enjoy the show. Further information can be found at SensibleCenterPack.com. You can reach us at SensibleCenterPack at gmail.com or follow us on X at USASCPack. Bob, good day, mate. Hey, Kevin. Welcome back from Australia. That's right. Been out in Australia for a couple weeks and had some shrimp on the bobby and some blooming onions. I knew you were <laughs> glutton for pain, but 12, 14-hour days of tennis, I just couldn't do it. Eight days in a row. It was a lot of tennis, Bob, and I'm barely getting over my jet lag. It's been bad. You can't even get out of the house up there in Wisconsin, hey? I've been waking up at 3 in the afternoon, so... <laughs> I'm fresh now at seven o'clock at night. <laughs> so how's the unpacking going? Uh, not not great. Looking around my house right now, there's clothes everywhere, full boxes everywhere. Uh, but the wine's open. So yep. I was I was feeling for you when I was down in Australia. I was I was thinking about you. I would have loved to be there. Yeah, except for the tennis and the snakes and the spiders. That's right. We did see a poisonous steak, too. Um, so anyways, just jumping to it, we actually have special guests on the podcast tonight, Bob. I'm excited about this one. You are well aware. Now, this is very timely since there's a lot of talk about civil war in this country. And uh, people from this organization are, are trying to bridge that. Uh, they're from Braver Angels. Um uh, Susan Rico and Mary Thomas Valens. Hi, Susan and Mary. Hello. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us. So, Susan, Bob, Susan and I met at the uh, Democracy Summit in L.A. in October or late September. And um, I never heard of the organization before, Braver Angels. And it just seemed like exactly what we've been trying to do on the podcast in regards to for Susan and Mary, Bob's more of a libertarian bent. Mm-hmm. He's in the uh, Rand Paul uh, category uh, of libertarianism. I'm more sort of the traditional left of center liberal. So uh, we have a view, very different view of the role of government, <laughs> to say the least. So um, what we try to do in this podcast is to have those difficult conversations. So. Um, I know your organization is heavily involved with that. So why don't, uh, Susan, why don't you give us a little bit of background on Braver Angels and the the, kind of the mission of the organization, how long it's been around, and then we could kind of go from there. Sure. Um, And it's funny you say that you're a libertarian and a left-leaning because that describes Mary and I. And we became great friends in 2019 when we we met at a Braver Angels workshop. But just let me tell you a little bit about the organization. We began in 2016, um, right after that very contentious election that we all remember so well. Um, And a group of people formed a a workshop in Ohio to bring together equal numbers of Trump voters and Clinton voters. And what happened there was just magic. Um, They set it up in such a great way that it has grown by leaps and bounds beyond anyone's wildest dreams. And now we're we're nationwide. Um, We are a nationwide grassroots movement and we are are absolutely dedicated to ending 
division and toxicity that's in our political discourse and it's just pulling communities apart and even families apart it's and so we just are trying to do something about that um, and what we do is we have these carefully designed and run workshops um, and other events, but mainly our flagship is our workshops. They create a space for um, respectful and productive dialogue across the divide. And it's actually rooted in family therapy techniques because one of our founders is a, is a family therapist. And so he brings, wow. he brings that into the mix. And you know, if you think about it, that makes sense because with our division, you could say our country is on the verge of a national divorce, which I've even heard some people say. So these techniques really work and they've been shown to work. Um, and I, I want to tell you too, we originally called Brave uh, Better Angels. Um, that's after the famous line <laughs> in Lincoln's famous, uh, I think his first inaugural address. And so we eventually changed the name to Braver Angels. And, and the idea was that it reflects the name, reflects the courage that it takes to go into these conversations and have the difficult conversations and to be, try to become leaders in our communities and, and try to make this right and not just stay in our separate tribes anyway. Um, and also I wanna to mention too, that we're almost entirely volunteer led. We have thousands of volunteers across the country of which Mary and I are just two. And um, so it's mainly volunteers and it's our leadership is purposely split evenly between liberals and conservatives. We think that's very important to be a balanced organization because if we're gonna tackle polarization, we've got to be ourselves like walk the walk and, and right. be evenly split. If we don't have both voices in the room or all voices in the room, we're not doing it right. So that's, that's basically you know, who we are. Um, and uh, yeah. Terrific. Yeah, I've actually referred to, not knowing the, the background of the name, I've referred to it several times talking about talking to people about your organization as Be Better Angels, yeah. because it, that's just something we're familiar with. It and, and it sort of makes sense that uh, that you've kind of converted to Braver yeah. Angels. Yeah, and all right. of us were kind of like, oh, when they changed the name, we're, we were a little bit like, oh, I don't know. But then we realized quickly, you know, that's a better, it's really a better name. It reflects much better what we're doing um so i just love the name so can you guys explain your roles in the organization so what are you involved in and what do you what do you do for the organization um i can start sure, um sure. so when i first went i to a first workshop i had no intention to even joining <laughs> and we did this first red blue stereotypes exercise and i got hooked so then I contacted Susan and some other people who had very different views than I did, but I was so impressed with their their eagerness to discuss. So at first I became an organizer and then we formed an alliance. Um, and there are a hundred alliance, alliances all across the country. An alliance is just a, a local neighborhood group or a regional group. Um, and then after uh, I became a moderator, and then when um, COVID happened, Braver Angels just was remarkable in how they transformed uh, their workshops to online events. So I got trained to be um, how to do all the parts in Zoom and breakout room and whatever. And so then I became an online moderator and an in-person moderator. And now I'm part of the moderator training team and we meet monthly to um, work with all the moderators on working on our skills and brainstorming problems that we run across. And then finally, um, 
I um, found many other uh, braver angels really concerned about what we're doing with teens and the and the lack of good role models for how to be a a citizen in this country in terms of an active, engaging citizen without the rancor. So um, I've developed workshops for teens along with other um, Braver Angel members. And so there are many interest groups within Braver Angels. It's sort of like as a volunteer, you have an idea, you run it by somebody and they just say, go for it. So I created the Braver Angels Education um, School Community Network. And we meet once a month and we deal with the issues related to city councils, school board meetings, training for teens, parents, and lots more. Wow, that's great. I mean, to get students in, in, you know, in high school and college and even grade school to be able to have sort of the, the skills to have these discussions, I think is a, a great idea. I'm surprised that it's possible. I mean, I literally have had kids say to me, I didn't know you could have a conversation without it becoming an argument. And um, so it's been really exciting because they are not seeing the role models that I had when I was growing up. You know, I watched the Republican and Democrat conventions with my dad from gavel to gavel both weeks. And we didn't have the animosity. It wasn't the anger of we were looking to see who had the better idea. Yep, exactly. I can relate to that, definitely. And Susan, what what are you uh, doing in Braver um, Angels? Well, I, like Mary said, we met each other in 2019 at our very first workshop, and we were paired up um, as a red-blue pair. So that was interesting. And, and we just became just fast friends and working together. And it's just been an absolute joy to work together on this. And so it's been some the most rewarding work I think I've ever done in my life. Um, and recently, what I'm doing mostly is organizing. And so what that is is somebody who just handles the logistics of getting events together. So let's say uh, a group approaches us, like a church or a Rotary Club or something like that, and they say, hey, we're interested in Braver Angels and we'd like to set something up. Then um, I would come in or Mary would come in and we would start getting it organized and find the moderators and get the location squared away and and invite people to it and follow up and all that kind of stuff. So I've been mainly doing that. I'm also now getting involved in coordinating our volunteer force across Southern California. We cover a huge area across Southern California. So it's um, it's important that we kind of all stay connected and support each other. So I'm trying to work more in the organization that way of keeping us all connected and working together. So that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's terrific. So kind of backing up um, in regards to to kind of the whole concept of having these conversations. Historically, I think a lot of people have heard that we shouldn't be talk, we shouldn't talk politics and we shouldn't talk about religion. And so a lot of people ignore those conversations. Um, why wouldn't that be a good strategy? Because I, I, you know, Bob and I love talking politics, so I often get into political discussions with other people. And sometimes you hear, well, I, I, you know, I don't think it's good to talk about it because, I mean, it's sort, they sort of ignore the situation. So how do you, how do you kind of get over that hurdle? Um, I can jump in on this one. I've had people ask me that a lot. And to me, it's about timing, setting, and the willingness for all parties to understand first, um, all parties who want to listen to understand first and above all. So, you know, I've had political 
um, discussions before I got involved in Braver Angels, you know, at the dinner table with 15 people and like two people are dominating the conversation. Everybody else wants to leave. And so that's not the best timing. And um, so first of all, I have we have discovered that you can talk about any topic if there's clear expectations for what's going to happen. We have very specific ground rules that we ask people to either accept, and we've never had anybody say no and walk out, so they seem to be agreed upon. And then we do have very strong frameworks for discussion. Um, so people can talk about anything, and what they need is respect. And here's a big idea that we emphasize. You can hate an idea or a policy without hating the person. And that's a key difference. And the other thing, one of our major, like braver angel way statements is we can state our views freely and fully without fear. But in order to do that, we treat people who disagree with us with honesty, dignity, and respect. That's wonderful, Mary, so well stated. And I, I just like to add that I think part of it is is um, talking to each other face to face and seeing each other as real people and not through a keyboard, you know, or text messages right. or social media, but really being face to face. And that can be in person, it can be on Zoom, but that's an important part of it. And it's about it's about listening to the other person and hearing their being curious about their personal story and what in their life and their experiences has brought them to the political views that they have. And, you know, you almost always find that um, there's common values and concerns that, that you have. And, and people always come away from our experiences saying, you know, we're not as divided as we've been told we are. Um, that, I hear that all the time. Um, and so you just have to come into it with the right frame of mind. So, I mean, to get to your question, you can talk about politics if you have these skills and you practice them. Um, and you can bring it from our workshop into your family conversations, uh, friends conversations, uh, or even, you know, anywhere, really. So, so there are skills that you can take with you uh, out there and have political conversations. And, and like Mary said, there's a, certain times may not be the right time. If you sense resistance or belligerence or, or someone's performing kind of a, for a group, you know, you can just, you know, not, not have it at that time. It's, the right time is important and the right situation. Yeah, that's a good point because, like you said, timing and context do matter and... Yeah. Being across from, there's so much communicated through body language and eye contact and making those connections that having it over the phone or through a keyboard, is it's much more difficult. So uh, to get that in-person discussion with somebody is a, is a key, I could see that being a key thing oh, yeah. to, to accomplish here. Mm -hmm. And I would say, sorry, uh, Kevin, when you and I have some conversations, usually it's later at night after dinner something along those lines and i think sometimes if you were a random person happened to walk by and listen to us you would think we were arguing but it's more of a passionate <laughs> discussion right and and susan you had mentioned that some people had said they didn't know you could have a conversation with without it becoming an argument do you have any thoughts on why that might be for some people it's more of a passion and enjoyment. And for other people, it feels like conflict and it gets very uncomfortable. Is it just a, a natural thing? Is it a learned thing? I think people come from different, you know, like basically different family life too, that, you know, some families really hash things out and they can, you know, you can get 
just shouting and, and across the table and everything. And then it's just, it's all done. You know, you just get it out. There's some families like that, you know, my family wasn't like that. We didn't, you know, get passionate and angry. So things were kind of more, you know, pushed under the rug. So I think it depends a lot on your, your, um, your background and your upbringing, but, um, but some people really do seem to want to perform and, you know, be right, you know, in front of other people. And I think that's, they're egged on by the media. Um, you know, they get in their little, their echo chambers and, and, um, believe that this is the right way. And they want to, they want to be strong on that point. So, um, Mary, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, yeah, one of the things that's really been eye-opening for me since joining Braver Angels. Okay, I used to I used to argue as a sport with my dad starting in high school. And then as I grew up, it didn't stay fun. And then in the last 10 years, as the world's become more polarized, we became more polarized. And it was really to- it really became toxic. And what I realized is if your goal is to be right and prove your point, then you're not interested in, in polarization. You're either doing it for fun. I mean, depolarization. You're either doing it for fun. It sounds like you guys have a good time hashing out ideas. But if you really want to move forward where people from multiple perspectives can solve problems, then you have to really turn the mindset is to developing relationships in the sense that I want to understand this person. I want to be curious about how they came to their ideas. And I'll tell you a really quick example of how this changed my life. So my dad was had just passed away. He's almost 100, um, he's a World War II veteran, and he's got stories uh, of Europe fighting that are amazing. But anyway, the last five years of his life, I was taking him monthly to doctor's appointments. And sometimes we were sparring because elections were coming and whatever. Then I joined Braver Angels and I didn't even know I had changed as, as a person until this event. So I was driving, thank goodness, in the parking lot with speed bumps at the doctor's office. And he said, you know, Mary, I am not gonna vote this for my side this year, I'm gonna vote for your guy. And I slammed the brakes. I mean, 60 years of disagreeing. And I go, dad, what happened? Like, I mean, never, ever would I have imagined that. He said, you know, I don't know what's different, but the last few years that you've been driving me to the doctors, you've been spending more time listening than talking at me. And I said, so when you started listening to me, I started listening to you. And so I realized in the effort to not try to prove my dad wrong and not try to show that I am right and really trying to understand, dad, why do you feel the way you do? Why are those, what life experiences made you feel like you wanna vote this way? When I asked questions of curiosity rather than gotcha questions, I discovered that I actually had influence that I didn't know. And braver angels, will tell you the goal is not to change anybody's mind the goal is not to make people be different uh in their thinking (laughs) in their thinking we're gonna end this now however however well let me just finish however 
when you build a relationship of trust and understanding and I really care about your thoughts, you have influence you didn't know you had. So I've never been able to have my dad change a vote on anything. And I did it without trying because he felt hurt. And you were setting an example of listening, of curious listening. So, and so. I didn't even know I was doing it. Yeah. And, you know, and honestly, I, I think that's the only way you're going to get somebody to, to come over, right? They have to be heard and they have to be, then they start hearing you, right? Yes. Well, and the thing is, um, we cannot, in this day and age where we're getting information from all over the place, we think that arguing with facts is the way to get our points across. And what we've discovered is, forget the facts, we're not going to agree about them. But we can make greater headway if we really understand people's stories. So I, had a, I did a Braver Angels workshop on pro-life, pro-choice right after it was leaked that Roe v. Wade was going to be changed. And Braver Angels goes, are you sure you want to do this Common Ground workshop now? And I said, now, absolutely. So we had these two very, very strong minds uh, sides. And we have a structure for talking about how, not a debate, there is a debate format, by the way, but this was, how are we going to move forward? if Roe v. Wade is changed. And we talk about each side's values, concerns, and solutions. And the goal is not to have um, necessarily 100% agreement, but some agreement. And actually, we had 87% unanimous agreements on values, concerns, and solutions. And the 13% that was not agreed upon were the all or nothing. abortion anytime, anywhere, all the time, or never, 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 never. And the coolest thing about the workshop is I was doing my best, you know, as a moderator, completely neutral, never say what side I'm on or whatever, but I was surprised with the ideas that were coming together on what we could do to help reduce unwanted pregnancies, how to support women and children. It was amazing. But we focus on people's stories. How did you come to this position? And when people told their personal stories, it really created empathy. And empathy does not necessarily mean endorsement. And that's a helpful phrase for me to know. Um, Mary, I was in that workshop and it was extraordinary. I mean, I was, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. When we ended up with all that agreement at the end, uh, I never dreamed that it would it would be that way. I think we were all just stunned and uh, filled with hope at that point. Um, yeah, it was just extraordinary. That's that's fantastic. And, and what, one of the things I always say is people can hold two ideas in their mind yes. at the same time, and everything is more nuanced than yes. And that's where the I think media and social media want us to take sides uh, and box us into this stereotype. And there's just so much gray that we we can oh. cross paths on and that oh, that come together. That is so true. And that's that that's where the solutions come in, like you found in the abortion issue. Yes. 
And then and, oh, okay. I like to think of it as yes and thinking. Like yes, right. I can believe this, and I can also believe that. And they're they yep. don't they aren't two separate things. I can hold those two things in my mind at the same time. But again, I mean, we're still not asking people to change their mind. But you know, a lot of people I, I, there is a lot of gray area in a lot of things. I think we've established the the positive effects of just being able to have conversations with those that are near to us, yes. be it family or friends. Yes. And I think conversely, you know, there's a lot of negative effects of not being able to have conversations about politics or in some cases religion or even just local or your thoughts, right? Your personal yeah. thoughts. Um, but how, in your opinion, has social media contributed to the problem? Uh, we appear more divided. I think we have, we've been more divided since the rise of Twitter or X and Facebook. Uh, mm-hmm. why is it that is, is it real is it social media or is it something else happening right now I think it's very real um, I think the data is clear and Brave Angels is data driven and it's very clear I think that that we're as divided politically as before the Civil War um, and I think social media makes it so much worse and I think there are in Brave Angels we have a term called conflict entrepreneurs um, who they, they benefit from this divisiveness. And I think that that plays into it. Um, you know, social media anonymizes people, you know, people become keyboard warriors and it's just, it's not healthy. And that's why I was emphasizing this face-to-face contact um, to really look in each other's eyes and try to understand each other. So to me, social media is just part of the problem. So I don't, I personally don't participate in it at all. Although in Brave Angels, we do have a program of, uh, being a braver angel in social media and how to do it the right way. So we're also teaching people how to be good, you know, uh, braver angel warriors on social media. So, um, Mary, do you, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I think you've stated that really well. I mean, I think the algorithms lead to confirmation bias. We look for things that, um, we agree with. I read um, both the Wall Street Journal and the LA Times and our local newspaper and one, you know, they're all from different, their editorials are all very, very different. And I find myself skipping over to the articles that will make me feel good. Or or I look at the headline, but now I look at the headlines of the three different papers, like yesterday, the you know, what Biden might want to do because of these, um, the killings of Americans. And it was, it's really fascinating to see the difference. But I also believe that social media can be an excuse. So I know people that don't use social media, and they are totally uh, glued to their silos. Um, And I also know people who are using social media in a productive way. So I, it definitely is spreading a lot of uh, misinformation. I totally agree with that. But I also think we, we can move past that if we want to. And, you know, I've removed myself from some of the most extreme voices because I found that they were contaminating how I thought and how I felt. It's hard to watch any news nowadays. And we all, I think, believe, no matter which side of the aisle you're on, that politicians are being bought by corporations and very rich individuals. I think one thing that maybe doesn't get quite as much attention is the fact that I think media is being bought by these same individuals and creating the divisiveness, be it through pharmaceutical commercials or some other corporation paying a lot for commercials, 
potentially paying for stories and things like that. Obviously, it creates division. A lot of this division is, generally speaking, driven by these corporations and individuals that are paying for their interest more so than the best uh, for for uh, all American citizens, which is interesting. Yeah, and I, I think television, you know, like you mentioned social media, so I'm thinking like all the platforms, but like television um, has all those elements that you described. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to ask you was about media and misinformation and the uncle who gets his, all his, you know, information from Alex Jones or the aunt that gets it from NPR. It sounds like part of this strategy and and practice that you guys promote is not arguing over facts. It's just more listening about viewpoints. Is that so? What kind of I guess what are the largest hurdles to overcome that you see? when people join these workshops and having these conversations, what what do they struggle with the most, I guess? Well, facts can be a big problem and we don't we don't avoid them. We have workshops that are based on around issues like Mary said, abortion, or we just had a national debate about whether or not Trump should stay on the ballot or not. So, um, and people bring the facts on their side, but we, we listen to each other about it. And, and you know, we also have, a workshop called uh, Walk a Mile in My News, where people, uh, which is, <laughs> is a great idea. I mean, people look at other people's news sources and then talk to them about yep. it and just find out what, you know, what world are you living in? It might be a little different than the one I'm living in. And that I think that's the thing that, that is the most, um, you know, difficult to overcome coming into these workshops is these different information universes that people might be living in. Um, so we work to overcome that. Well, and you know what? We also have different kinds of events. So some are issue driven. So focusing a common ground workshop is taking a topic. It's set up with a question or a way to come together. So it's not set up as a debate question, but the very first thing we do on a topic is like, how did you come to your opinions on that? What life experiences shaped that? That is way more enlightening to a person's view than a lot of facts often. So an example with that abortion thing, um, there was a woman who declared herself as a very liberal woman. She was in her late 20s and she said, I'm liberal progressive in every single way. And you'll be surprised I'm on the pro-life side. And everybody's even me trying to keep neutral, but looking at her, okay, let's hear your story. And she said, you know what? I was in a relationship with a professor when I was in college. It was consensual. I wasn't raped, but I did get pregnant. And he wanted nothing to do with it. He wanted me to have an abortion. He wanted to just clean his hand, wash his hands from it and walk away. And I felt to my surprise, I couldn't have an abortion. I felt like this was a child and I wanted to honor that. But I was also so angry about the fact that an abortion gave him a pass. And that was a very nuanced position. There were all the positions from religious views and things that you would imagine. But that was really a nuanced position that none of us in the room, I think, had heard before. So instead of saying the fact so many babies are killed and so many the the the, her story 
really had people listening in. And um, I think that's one of the things. Now, we have skill-based workshops that literally talk about what is polarization, how do I personally, each of us, contribute to polarization, and what are the skills to help depolarize a conversation. And so we basically um, promote four skills, listen, and I always say listen to understand, acknowledge. So if you if you two are having a conversation, Bob and Kevin, we would encourage you in a group to, um, you know, have one person share their ideas, and then you would acknowledge what that person said and really truly make them feel heard. And not until you get verbal or nonverbal acknowledgement, like, yeah, you got it, you understand me. Then we do the skill called pivot, which we just signal that we would like a turn to share our position. And so it might be like, I go, gosh, you know, um, I'm just gonna make this up like that woman. Wow, I, I had never considered, you know, a pro-life position coming from your point of view before. Um, and, you know, I, I'm getting nodding, like she's got, I heard, I feel heard. So then I might say, you know, I really see it differently. Um, are you okay if I share you my view? And that question and waiting for a response is life-changing. That is, I've used that in my personal experiences so much. If a person says no, then you know the conversation's not ready to happen. But I haven't had anybody say no. And I have, yeah, I haven't either. And, either. And then you share your perspective and then the dialogue can go. And so instead of questions of, yeah, but... I don't get that and that doesn't make sense. You go, well, wait a minute, how would this fit in this situation? And you phrase it with complete and honest curiosity rather than I wanna nail you because you're wrong. That pivot is magic, I gotta tell you, it works. I was in a workshop where we were talking about that very skill and at the end of it, I was talking to a woman, woman on the other side and she was expressing her view and I actually used the listen, acknowledge, pivot and, 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 it, and it was, it worked amazingly well. And she, we had just learned about it and I don't think she even realized I was, I was using it. And, and it's just, you're asking permission. And if the person says, yeah, sure, I'd like to hear your perspective. perspective they have now opened their heart and mind to, to hear you. Um, and it's just amazing. That's terrific. If, throughout our podcast, we, Bob and I have developed catchphrases when we talk. So, my catchphrase to Bob is, what you talking about, Bob? <laughs> I, I, I take it that's not included in your workshops. <laughs> and Bob's, Bob's is settle down, Kevin. <laughs> simmer down. Sit up, simmer down. I like settle down. There's a little settle bit of down, pop culture. <laughs> but what, what's behind both of you is, first and foremost, you have established a relationship. Right. And that's right. the difference. And we don't mean that everybody's going to go kumbaya and walk off and be best friends. Right. But, you know, when I went to the Brave, uh, Susan and I both went to the Braver Angels Convention in Gettysburg. And when I walked in, I came early because I was um, doing some events. And, you know, this was a several day convention. And the first thing they wanted me to do was to wear a blue lanyard. And, you know, because I, and I said, guy, you know, I'm a moderator. I've been spending the last five years not publicly sharing what I am, I feel uncomfortable about this. And I talked to Bill Duarte, one of the founders, and I said, are you sure? I, I mean, 
is that really helpful for walking around being labeled? Because also, you know, the labels of liberal, I do some of those tests to feel where you fall. And I'm an old fashioned traditional liberal, you know, I'm not, I don't know. Anyway, and you know how the Republican Party has taken many, many, it's morphed into lots of different things. And some people feel like they're more of a traditional Republican rather than a current one. So when he said, Mary, you know what, just trust me, just do it. So what was so cool is we all met in the same really large dining hall for all our meals for four days. And all across the room, there were reds and blues, and you could see them by their color, leaning in and having really exciting conversations. They weren't all tame. Some of them were heated, but there was laughter, there was smiling, there was acknowledgement. So the anger and the rancor was what was missing. And seeking out people with the opposite color lanyard was was encouraged. I mean, we I was looking for people, you know, with another, I had a red lanyard on as a libertarian and I was actively seeking out blues to, oh, let's talk, you know, this is great. Yeah. Um, just, just a couple more questions because we know uh, you guys got uh, other things to do today, <laughs> but we just wanted to, um, can you kind of walk through on a high level some of the principles, uh, key principles of Braver Angels? Uh, so our listeners can kind of understand the basis of, of some of these things that you're talking about? Yes. Uh, we have something called the Braver Angels Way, and there's a series of statements you can find on, find on our homepage. And I'll take this as an opportunity to say go to braverangels.org. We've got a fabulous website that's easy to navigate. Um, you can find events, your local alliances, sign up for workshops. Anything you want is right there at your fingertips. And right there also is... Um, a summary of the, what we call the Bravery Angels Way. And if you don't mind, I'll just run through the tenets of it. Absolutely. Okay, so here we go. Um, first, we state our views freely and fully without fear. We treat people who disagree with us with honesty, dignity, and respect. We welcome opportunities to engage with those, whom we, those with whom we disagree. We believe all of us have blind spots and none of us are not worth talking to. We seek to disagree accurately, avoiding exaggeration and stereotypes. We look for common ground where it exists and, if possible, find ways to work together. We believe that in disagreements, both sides share and learn. And finally, in Braver Angels, neither side is teaching the other or giving feedback on how to think or say things differently. So that that's kind of sums it up, and 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 it, it it's work. I mean, we're I don't consider myself an expert at any of this, but but I'm, I'm a, it's a work in progress. You know, every day I'm trying to strive towards these things, um, and it's just a commitment Mary and I have made to try to live this way. It's not always easy, but uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, those are good principles to strive for. Yeah, though, you know, <laughs> it can seem pretty lofty, but if you practice the skills, honestly, it starts to come um, easier and easier. It's like a muscle. I think you mentioned that in one of your emails, um, Kevin, yeah. that, it, that it's basically a muscle that needs attention. And if you don't exercise it with good productive dialogue, then, you know, it's going to waste. And, and so you need to work on it. So I would like to add one thing to all of that, because that was just beautiful, Susan. One of the things I noticed 
and it, no one told me this, but I noticed as Braver Angels shows us in our workshops, we don't point fingers at the other side. So um, in the red blue workshop where reds and blues of equal numbers come together and share stereotypes that they think the other side has about them, and then they get to share what's really true. Like, you know, maybe you'd call someone who's pro-choice a baby killer. And so then what would be true is, um, you know, I necessarily wouldn't have an abortion. I just feel like a woman shouldn't have their decision made by other people or whatever. And then they also point out for themselves the uh, kernels of truth. Like where did the stereotypes come from? So the reds are sharing what they perceive the stereotypes are about themselves. They're pointing out what's true about their group and they're pointing out the kernels of truth. Yes, there are people that you know, uh, maybe very um, all or nothing on this issue. Or if we talk about, um, so the point here is we look at ourselves and there's another um, wonderful activity called a fishbowl and you're asked, why are your ideas or positions good for the country? And instead of saying your side's bad, we share, well, this is what I think. These are why my ideas are good. And then the second question, which is where the common ground can happen and the humility, is we also have to answer the question, what limitations or concerns do we have about our own position? What under, unintended consequences may result from my idea? And so we look within rather than pointing at. And then what happens is red and blue people come together in pairs and say, what did you learn from that? And in so many times they say, I had no idea you felt that way too. Or you saw that weakness, that's a weakness I see too, but I also see some power in what you said about this. And it's really exciting. I've used those same questions with high schoolers. We have turned it into humble conversations. We have a, one topic they're fighting about at their campus. Um, and so it's like they had one on dress code. And I said, so what are some ideas that you have? And they just brainstormed ideas. And they ended up sharing them with the administration. Okay, now... Tell me what's wrong about your own idea, not somebody else's idea. And I asked the kids, the students, I go, why would you tear about your own idea when you're trying to sell it? And it's one of my favorite activities because when you show the humility, yes, we should do such and such and such, but I did notice that we could have this unintended consequence well, what's happened is another kid has said, yeah, but you could do this to take care of that. And all of a sudden, the kids were circling in and brainstorming solutions together. It was phenomenal. Yeah, just something as simple as that just changes the, the mindset and the energy, right? Yep. It's, it's really looking, how am I a polarizer and how can I be a depolarizer? What's good about my side and what are some of the weaknesses? And then how can we reach across... The, the many aisles. I don't think there's two aisles anymore. That's the other thing I've really learned. There is not a Republican or Democrat like um, one type of person. That's what I really think people are missing. 
you know, my friends, some of my friends who think I'm doing stuff, I'm too, this is goody goody, not good for them. They, <laughs> they agree with me politically, but they think I'm nuts. Well, I said to them, I said, if we look at half the country as one unit, and we hate all of them, we're missing out on so much diversity within each group and, and so much wealth within each group. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You can strengthen the, the parties, if you will, and strengthen the country by reaching across the, the divide as a result. Right. And, and we're having an effect even at the in the halls of Congress. We're having an effect. We're running workshops and our founder, Bill Doherty, testified before Congress um, and is running. He's running workshops across the aisle with staff from um, opposing uh, Congress people. So it's just it's really, really having an effect. Yeah, I want to squeeze in a question on workshops, actually. Sure. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about what a workshop looks like? What happens? What's the cost? And then. One final question regarding workshops. Is there a way to go out online and see what you do, see examples either in a workshop or potentially um, do you ever stage a conversation via a podcast or other medium? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, check out A Braver Way. It's a podcast by Monica Guzman or check out Monica Guzman's TED Talk. It's one of the best. Um, so you'll, that's an incredible podcast on very hot topics. Um, if you go to braverangels.org and find an event, you will find many all across the country that you can go in online. You can also go to YouTube and brains, uh, Google Braver Angels, and you can see a lot of past events. Um, there's debates that are done online. There are in-person events. Um, so at a workshop, they vary. It depends on what the goal is. So if it's a, a three-hour workshop, then there might be, well, there's always a lot of interaction. There's talking, um, questions, reflecting, small group discussion, that large group discussion, and then kind of reflecting back on what you've learned. Um, so it really depends if it's a skills workshop, an issues workshop, a debate, um, a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, so there's really a huge variety. No, oh, we also have a film club, a book club. Um, there's so much, wow. so much available. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's all free. Yeah. yeah. It's all free. All free. Yeah. Wow. Can't beat that. But everything is free in terms of uh, working. And by the way, the other thing we didn't mention at all, we have so many new branches of things. We have braver politics. So we have people who I worked with um, state legislature, legislators, five uh, Republicans and five Democrats. Um, and they didn't even want to be seen in the Capitol building because they thought maybe they'd make, you know, it would ruin their their reputations and they left scheduling weekly luncheons and they these are people that had never really talked to each other outside of the halls of of their debate and um so um anyway i think i've answered more than your question <laughs> yeah that's great. that's great and we want to encourage all of our listeners to go to braverangels.org when i was speaking to my wife uh this afternoon about you guys coming on the podcast is like that sounds like an organization that you need to get involved with so i'm making it a resolution this year to 
to attend workshops and, and look at volunteering to in the Braver Angels. But uh, we really appreciate your time here today. Uh, thanks for informing our listeners more about Braver Angels. Uh, it was a terrific time spent with you guys. Thanks, Susan and Mary. And uh, thank you. I just so want to much. call out that there's nine workshops scheduled right now across the country. One of them is actually here in Tennessee. Uh, we have a very on. strong Tennessee um, alliance, so you can find the alliance there. You can find the alliance on our website under the button "Find Your Local Alliance," and Tennessee is very active. Yeah, and you there know, you go, Bob. for those of you who are busy, I just um, open my phone to one of the recorded events, and I listen to a recording while I'm driving, and. Uh, it's really easy. I listen to Monica Guzman's podcast, and she always has opposing voices, and they're amazing. And we need. Yeah, I listened to a couple of those. It was great. Yeah. And we welcome conservatives. Don't be afraid. You know, we're not a bunch of blues that are going to pounce on you. We 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 are ready to come. I mean, I, I'm not even a blue. And <laughs> so, but anyway, we are ready for everybody from any part of the political spectrum. Um, you are welcome, and we need your voice, and we want your voice. Great. We appreciate you coming on. All right. We'll Thank, you you so Thank, you Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.